to another episode of Between the Bites. I'm Gary Arnold. I'm joined today by Derek Parkinson and James Fair. Hello, gentlemen. How are you guys? Doing good. How are you? Doing great. As always, we are bringing you some of the latest technology news and updates, as well as cybersecurity updates. Today, we're having a little bit more of a discussion-based, while there is always cyber events in the news. Today, we're talking more about a broad topic, a approach to cybersecurity. We want to talk about incident response. This is something that we've talked about on some of our past podcasts and, of course, on the Executech blog. It's an important aspect of any cybersecurity plan and any cybersecurity approach. You need to think about what your response looks like when a cyber event happens. As we've said before and we'll say again, it's unfortunate that it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when a cyber attack happens. It's just how it is now. So you need to plan for that. You need to get ready for that. And we're here with James Fair, one of our cyber experts at Executech, to talk about that. What does that look like? What should that include? How do you start? How do you get started? So let's take it from the very bottom, from the very basic. What is, James, at its very basic level, an incident response plan? Really, it's all about, it's a great question, Gary, by the way. It's about preparing yourself for this eventuality you mentioned, right? It's not an if, but a when. So rather than waiting until that time happens and then trying to make plans and arrangements and figure out who's going to do what, it's far more effective, as you can imagine, to plan that out ahead of time. Because when the proverbial stuff hits the fan, we don't want to be taking that opportunity to then try to figure out who needs to do what and where. So really being prepared for this, and it can also minimize the damage. A lot of damage occurs from the time someone on staff will notice an event or a breach or suspected breach. And then there's a big time delta between that and when someone, a technician, a consultant can do something about it, an IT person can do something about it. So we want to we want to minimize that time, number one. And then number two, we want to create a plan around that. Who do we contact? Do we have all the contact information out? You know, that kind of thing. So it's really about not having to do that when you're in trouble. Excellent. I think one of the big things that's going to come out out of what is included in an incident response plan are the who's and what's. But even a step further, James, when a company wants to approach creating an incident response plan, first question is how how complex does it need to be? Is this a one page document or is this a multi page handbook? And I, I suppose that will likely depend on the business. So there's that question. And then the follow up is who should be involved in the planning of the incident response plan? Excellent question, Gary. As you mentioned, the response plan could be quite in-depth. In fact, I recommend a summary page. So kind of a one-page quick, here's the overview outline of what we're going to do, and then dive into the detail and make it as deep or as complex as it needs to be. And that will depend upon the needs of the business or the type of data or... Yeah, I mean, you know, the incident that occurs, the number of people on staff that need to be involved, it will depend on the business side. The larger the business, the more people that are going to need to be involved for sure. So then who should be involved in creating the incident response plan? Well, typically you want to start at a high level, right? You want to involve leadership as much as possible. Those are the folks that are going to make things happen, the decision makers, and they need to be involved from the get-go. So certainly the CEO, any C-levels that you have, And then all the way down to whoever will be involved in it. Anybody who's going to take part in this should be active in and participate in the creation of this document so that their input is given and you have their perspective in the whole thing as well. There's a lot that happens when a breach or an incident occurs. 
And there's a lot of moving parts, which is why that this plan exists. You need to organize those moving parts and help everybody do their job. I know there's no magic ratio between these, but what are the involved parties? Obviously, I think the core of an incident response plan is going to be IT around responding to the technology and getting it back up and running because it was obviously a technology thing that broke or was breached or whatever. But what other departments, what other factors are there included? I'm sure there's a legal component. Is there a PR component? Talk us through some of those other factors. Yeah, you brought up some very good ones, right? So we, we want to start at the C-level, like I mentioned, the CEO, a CTO or CSO, if you have one, any kind of security officer, bring in lead engineers. Those are the folks who are going to you know, get things moving. And then, like you said, it's time to bring in legal. So do we have a lawyer? Who, how do we contact that group? PR and insurance provider. If you have a cybersecurity insurance, it's really important to start contacting those people right out of the gate as well. There's rarely a breach that doesn't touch or affect every aspect of a business, which is why it's so serious and why we talk about it so much is because it is so impactful. It is so it can be so bad <laughs> to put that bluntly. Is there a factor of HR, employee data, employee morale? Is there a factor of accounting, things like that? There can be. Certainly you want to do credit checks, that kind of a thing, fraud prevention, check on that. You also want to probably reach out to some forensic investigators, perhaps, depending on the type of event that happened with you. But like you said, it, it could be all encompassing, right? You may need to bring in crisis management. You may need to bring in a negotiator, certainly cybersecurity, law enforcement. If your company has a holding company, they will need to be involved. And then the folks who are going to speak to clients about this. What, why are we down? Why are we experiencing this? What happened? Preparing, that, that's kind of the PR side of things, though, more than anything else. So we've covered some of the good information around incident response plan. I want to maybe dive in a step deeper and walk us through a scenario and actually build out the nitty gritty of what's included in, in an incident response plan. And of course, this will vary depending on businesses, but I thought it might be interesting. Let's pretend, you know, between the three of us here, we run a, you know what, let's go relevant for Derek here, a carpet cleaning business. We run a carpet cleaning, an industrial, we'll say commercial carpet cleaning business, local. We've got, let's say, 30 employees. We've got trucks and, of course, a bunch of equipment, but we also have servers. Walk us through what our incident response plan will look like. Sure. Let's assume ransomware, right? That's a pretty common impact these days that we're seeing. So really, we want to start with like I said, the head person, the CEO, the president, whoever's in charge. And typically that person's going to reach out and start the communications with legal counsel, insurance providers, if there are any PR firms, right? That'll probably occur at the CEO level. And then we want to get to the PR communication side of things. So who's going to handle and what are they going to say to the internal communications? You want to inform the staff, but you want to be careful what you say. It is not uncommon for staff members to post something on Reddit, right? I mean, if you don't want that information out, be careful what you're sharing. Uh, then we begin the external communication side. That's when you involve the PR firm. Do you need to get involved with the media? Is this a Facebook or newspaper thing? And then notifications. So who do we notify? We got to notify the authorities, right? The, the law enforcement folks, credit card companies, in case there are attempts on our credit card. So Visa, MasterCard, Discover Card, those folks. Any affected individuals who may be impacted by the event that's occurring. And then consider any others that you may need to bring in for that business partners, parent companies, general counsel, that kind of a thing. Then I think I'd go into the, probably the CTO, CSO, if you have one, that person's going to be the technical liaison through all this. So they're going to identify which systems were impacted or, and if it's not a CSO, then someone, right? Someone needs to go in and identify what systems were impacted, how are they impacted? 
what was truly lost? Where did it come from? If the breach was involved in a in like a hard copy or theft, how do we get technical support staff on this? So really it's about anything technical aspect for this person. So database administrators, anybody who can help them in their investigation effort and to kind of direct and coordinate things. So this person typically heads up what we call the IRT or the incident response team. That's the group of people that you've decided ahead of time will be the people that are going to react when an event occurs. We start identifying things such as who's the data owner impacted by the breach. You want to coordinate with legal counsel on that one. And then it's the analysis process. So we've got to work with the appropriate parties to determine the extent of the breach, identify where the data was stored, where it was compromised. Was it development? Was it test? Was it production systems? Identify the number of individuals at risk. Personal information, right? What was lost? Was it name and address? Was it social security number? Was it cardholder name? What data was lost? Client information, was it financials? Was it sales report? That kind of a thing. If it's a personal or client information, then coordinate with your legal counsel and PR firms. There may be particular ways you need to deal with that with the customer of the public. Then I think it probably moves into dealing with a forensics investigator. Assuming you hire one, that person would work with your lead engineer about how the breach or exposure occurred, the type of data that was involved, the number of internal, external individuals impacted, and really being the person to give the forensics investigators the access they need to get the job done. Then it's containment procedures, right? Now we start trying to contain the thing. Again, probably lead engineer runs with this or whoever fills that role for you. So with support from the CTO or whoever that role is in your organization, this is the analysis time. So did the intruder export any data? Did they delete anything? Where and how the breach occurred? And that person's also going to work with a forensic investigator to determine that same kind of information, what type of data was involved, the number of individuals or organizations impacted. Containment procedures then. So we want to take measures to contain and control the incident. We want to prevent any further unauthorized access. So we immediately want to shut down internet access, firewall access, anything that's going to allow them to travel outside. We want to shut that down immediately. That prevents them from reaching those machines anymore. Changing applicable passwords. Turning off machines if necessary. Sometimes we have to turn off servers until such time as we can come back and take a look at them. In some cases where there are multiple machines involved, we may simply shut off all but one, work on that one and continue turning them back on and working them one at a time. If you have the technical staff to do it, you also want to probably work, like I said, work with the firewall to block traffic or to block traffic to certain paths or to look to see where traffic is headed. So you can provide that information law enforcement as well. You're going to look through audit logs. This is, this is the unfun part of all this. We're going to look through security logs and you want to preserve that information. Law enforcement's going to need that or want that for their investigation. So all recording of forensic tools that you use, security files that uh, may have been subject to unauthorized access, notify the team about anything that's going on there. And really it's about confirm any findings that were taken by other folks. So and we start the recovery plan and some questions to consider along that would be how long does it take to wipe and restore from backups? Is there a recent backup of the compromised system? How recent are those backups? Are the backups done offsite or in the cloud? These are some things we need to consider as we roll forward and make decisions on how we want to recover. And then I think the last piece would be the assuming you've got it cleaned up and you're back in action. Now it's the post-action stuff. What happened? How do we prevent this from ever happening again? And what did we learn? What changes or modifications do we need to make to our incident response plan and our team in order to be even more effective next time?
Awesome, James. That sounds like a thorough list somebody could take and go for. It sounds like there's kind of an operations side and a technical side, and correct me if I'm wrong, those are happening kind of at the same time, which is sort of why the division of roles is so important. While somebody's working with PR, it's not like we're waiting for that to happen to start working on the IT side. They need to be happening in conjunction together. Yeah, that's why the multiple members involved here, so everybody can take a piece of this and run with it and not have to wait for the other to begin. Now, I had a question is on your side and in your experience, have you ever ran into issues with employees not reporting these kinds of incidents soon enough or trying to hide it altogether? Yeah. Employees feel like they failed somehow if they got breached, right? And they don't want to be seen as the bad guy or the person who clicked a link in email that they didn't mean to, or they were super busy and it was six in the evening. They just wanted to go home. So they were skimming through email and they clicked the wrong thing. So unfortunately, that is a very common occurrence and it's a really common here in the U.S. Organizations are still doing it. We are not yet in a mindset where we are open and frank about these conversations. We feel still, at least that's a perception I have, that that hiding it protects us more than all of us being open and vulnerable and saying, yeah, it happened to me. And someone else saying, oh yeah, me too. And I, oh, yeah, me too. And then us going, okay, it's happened to most of us or all of us. Let's do something about this. Cause we are still in this mindset of it happened to you, but I don't think it's going to happen to me. So I'm not going to worry about it yet. Yeah. So I then think that when you're implementing an incident response plan for any organization, it's just as important to have kind of a structure or build a sense of security, basically, with your organization's staff when it comes to reporting things like this. From a real threat to something feels off and they're not quite sure, making sure that they're comfortable reporting it and they know who to report it to. So they're not guessing as to, well, I think I should go talk to this person or maybe not. That level of unsurety also causes issues, I'm sure. But making it very clear that much more important to let the organization know that there's this issue than worrying about, are you as the employee going to get in trouble for something like this happening? Yeah, that's a great idea. So we recommend all companies have a breach policy. It's a compliance regulation in a lot of instances to create a breach policy and train all staff members on that and retrain them annually so that everyone knows what to do and create some safety around that. I know there's some legislation going on right now to create that for organizations. So if an organization says, hey, I put in 14 things in place to try to prevent this from happening, then they are more legally protected. And that would give them permission to be more open and honest about these things. And I think the same thing applies to our staff members. If we can tell them that, look, we're all human, we make mistakes, it is likely to happen. And when it does, we got your back, but we got to know that could go a long ways. This topic has been what you guys have been talking about, a great throwback to our last episode. So I encourage our listeners to check that one out on combating ransomware in general. And it sounds like, again, another key component to cybersecurity in general is the human element. And part of the reason that three of us are here, that we keep doing this, is that it's about education, awareness, and training. We've got to be more aware of this. We got to know how to react to it, whether it's, you know, Derek, we've written blogs on how to read URLs or it's how to not open an email or whatever, or it's you need to talk about that something's fishy on your computer ASAP. Don't hold back on that. So great points, guys. I wanted to ask James, again, great outline of what an incident response plan is. There's a lot of roles in there that maybe some smaller or medium-sized companies don't necessarily have. Maybe I don't have a CTO on staff. I certainly don't have legal counsel because, you know, I've only got 40 employees in the case of our carpet cleaner or whomever. Where can I turn to 
to fill those roles, to fill those needs and resources of a still complete incident response plan? The recommendation that I would give for every organization is if you lack a spot anywhere in there in that incident response, then outsource it. And then you don't have to do it right now. Just get with someone, create a partnership and an arrangement to say in the future, if we have an incident, can I call you? The same would be true for, you know, an incident response team, a forensic investigator, your legal counsel. And maybe you can't afford those at full time because you're not, your organization isn't large enough to do so, but at least have those conversations, have them on retainer, have them ready to go at a moment's notice. And in your incident response plan, have their name, number, contact information available. So you're ready to rock. All right. So now, James, a little more permission to give a direct plug. Where does Executech fit into this process? What can we do for a business? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we do respond to ransomware. It is not uncommon. We do have an incident response team and we have done so on many an occasion and we are happy to continue to do so for other folks. We can act as an outsourced CTO and the outsourced lead engineer and we can bring in a security team too. We also write these incident response plans for our clients, correct? Yeah, I'm referring to one that I've worked with another client when I talked earlier. Yeah. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, great topic, great information as always. Any closing thoughts, James or Derek, in terms of incident response and again, cyber preparation in general? For me, the biggest thought is on the employee side, making sure that your employees are aware of where to report things and they're comfortable with reporting something that they know they did wrong and they messed up down to they're not quite sure things seem to be running different on their computer. So that level of training I see is being pretty vital. Sounds like with even a great incident response plan that's set up, if your employees aren't reporting it to the rest of the organization quickly enough, then it makes things a lot more difficult when it comes to the effectiveness of that incident response plan. So make sure your employees are comfortable reporting and admitting that there's an issue. Yeah. My recommendations are, as I said earlier, have a breach policy. It can be simple. It can be call your IT person, call the CEO, call the lawyer. It could be as complex as you want to make it, but have one and make sure all employees are trained on it. From the previous podcast, as you mentioned, there's just so much damage that can occur in that time delta there. My other recommendation is it's great to create a plan, but you got to practice it. It's one thing to create a plan, put it on paper, and then put that Word document somewhere and not look at it for the next three and a half years and then wonder how, who's doing what when it happens. So unfortunately, we really need to take the time to practice it, simulate what that would look like, shut things down, go through the exercise. And I know it's costly for small and medium businesses, but again, you want to be able to practice and respond accordingly and have everyone kind of just muscle memory and train to know what they need to do and when in order to be the most effective you can to prevent this. Because Gary, you said it. It's a matter of when, unfortunately. Great thoughts. One last thing I, I did want to ask and throw out there that we didn't really touch on is an incident response plan is not exclusive to just a ransomware attack. While that is probably the most likely incident to occur that will impact your business, there are other incidents natural disasters. There's been a lot of flooding, for example, here locally in Utah. I don't know how much that's impacted businesses, but James, maybe just talk us a little bit about maybe some of the other events that would cause an incident response plan to come into effect. Yeah. I mean, an incident is a pretty broad term. It could be anything from theft right? Someone stole something that could incur an incident response plan. Although you'll treat it differently and perhaps you triage it differently and other and different people are involved. Really any business impacting event could qualify. 
fire, flood, theft, even uh, an attempted breach could qualify, right? So we saw a breach happen or attempt to happen. It didn't happen because we blocked it, but we saw an avenue where someone's trying to reach us. What do we do about it? How do we react to this in the future? What if they did get through? Great thoughts. Well, gentlemen, thank you as always. Great topic. And as we've mentioned, I'll just mention it one more time. Executech, we do all this. This is what we do all day and night. So we are happy to help if you feel a little uh, over your head when it comes to creating an incident response plan or getting your security, your cybersecurity in a place where you feel a bit more secure. That's what we're here for. So reach out to us at executech.com. Thank you, James. And thank you, Derek. Pleasure, Gary. Yeah, thanks.